What's going on everyone? I know it's been a long time, but we are back with the hustle. This is season two. And in case you've been wondering uh, where we've been, well, with me, my co-host Varun Rangarajan has been away uh, in Hong Kong, but he's back. And so are we for uh, another, let's say, two months of episodes. It should be a lot of fun. But first off, let's welcome Varun. How's it going, buddy? It's going good, man. Uh, it's been a very uh, good time at Hong Kong. Um, you know, studying there has, you know, opened up different avenues for me in terms of, you know, keeping in touch with these different sports that are happening. Uh, there have been a lot of good things and what a lot of interesting things. sports like in Hong Kong? I mean, if there is any. Like, to a large extent, many people follow basketball. But apart from that, football, like the Premier League is still limited in terms of the number of fans you find there. But if you look at it, it's more or less divided towards, you know, the likes of United, Arsenal, Spurs, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah, fair enough. That basketball thing sounds kind of racist, by the way. Anyway, <laughs> we've got so much up for you. Let's start off with cricket. Um, lots going on over the last few months, obviously. Uh, on this particular episode, what's going to happen is we're going to discuss the upcoming India-South Africa tour. Obviously, uh, you know, lots of hype, lots of excitement building up towards that. Uh, after that, we'll also to catch up on the Ashes, where we're currently in the midst of the fourth test at Melbourne and also a quick word on the IPL auction that's going to be coming up next month and obviously this time's auction is bound to be more exciting than most years. Uh, all that and more on this week's episode but first off let's start with a big one. Uh, January 5th, India to South Africa. It's their first, let's say, big really big series where there's going to be a lot of scrutiny in a long, long time that they've played abroad, at least. And a lot of the criticism that is aimed towards this Indian Indian team is that they don't play enough cricket abroad. And obviously, this is because of that, obviously, the scrutiny is going to be a lot more for this particular one. So they're playing three tests, are followed by an ODI and I think a, cu- a couple of T20s. Um, what are your expectations from this Indian squad going into the South Africa tour next month? I think there have to be a lot of changes that need to happen across the entire team. Are you talking about the test format? With the test format. Let, let's begin okay, with let's, the test first. Yeah, let's, yeah, let's begin with the test first. Because, let, let's see, in South Africa, the pitches are extremely different. They, they are more, you know, the pace bowlers can exploit the bounce and can really hurt batsmen. And batsmen really need to, like, keep that in mind. And, like, if you're just looking at... Like, the way Indian batsmen are preparing. Shikhar Dhawan, for example, he's apparently uh, changing his guard and he's not going to reveal all of his stumps uh, when he's standing at the crease. So these things, even though implicitly may seem like things that a batsman could be able to change very easily, our batsmen haven't been able to do that in previous series. So if, if these sort of adaptations can help these batsmen cope, I think like we'll be a, we'll do a fair job in front of uh, South Africa's bowlers. But to keep in mind, South Africa have a deadly attack these things will matter. But if you're now looking at the bowling side of it, I think the bowling is where the matches are going to be won. The lead bowlers also have to now become defensive bowlers. And like the bowlers who would normally have to wait for the reverse swing to kick in and who uh, may have to come and bowl a few overs uh, earlier. Which means that now Shami, Bhuvaneshwar, Ishant and Yadav have to bowl like leaders. There can't be any slip-ups if you want to really win those matches uh, against South Africa. So I think these will be things that the Indian team needs to look forward to. 
uh, what are your opinions? Do you think, uh, given that the pitch conditions are going to be like this, uh, will these ad- adaptations actually work out in the long run for Team India? Or is, is it going to be uh, a slippery slope for them? A lot of it's going to depend probably on team selections. I'm, gu- I'm guessing Ravi Shastri talked a lot about, um, you know, looking to find the right balance or the right team for the right conditions. But coming back to your point about Shikhar Dhawan, I'm not entirely sure how a change of stance is going to help him. He's always reminded me of the... Like, he's had this... Uh, I know he has this unorthodox kind of stance. Reminds me of Shivna and Chandrapal sometimes. And uh, the thing with these kind of pitches is there's so much seam off the pitch. It's not natural swing. Like, you know, people always confuse South Africa pitches to being similar to those of uh, of the ones in England. But the thing with the South Africa pitches, so there's a lot more seam movement and the bounce is, is, is absolutely ferocious. The ball may come on uh, to the back, but the length and the bounce that you're going to get is a lot harder to predict. We've seen the Indian team struggle against the short ball, you know, to in the recent years. It is something that has improved over the years. I think the likes of probably Ajin Kiarahane and Virat Kohli obviously have been the pioneers towards that change. But um, with Shikhar Dhawan, I think he just needs to focus on being able to get on top of the ball. It doesn't look... Con- particularly comfortable with the short ball outside the off stump. You know, he can play a decent pull shot or a hook shot. But, you know, with, with Shikhar Zaman, it's always it always works two ways. But the selection is going to be interesting because if you look at this India squad right now, uh, there's, there's a bunch of options, at least on, you know, on, on the test front because... It, it is pretty certain what your batting lineup is going to look like. It, I, I mean, I'm guessing that uh, it is going to be Virat Kohli, Shikhar Dhawan. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing Hardik Pandya is going to play, Cheteshwar Pujara. The other opener is probably going to be KL Rahul or Murli Vijay. But Murli Vijay's recent form suggests that he might get the go-ahead. Here's where it gets interesting now. And I'll give you the fast bowling options. Now, because of South Africa's pitches, it's... I mean, I think it's a foregone conclusion that Hardik Pandya is going to play. Now, and he gives you the extra batting option, obviously, and he can exploit the seam moon, he can exploit the bounce, he's got the height to go with it as well. He can consistently bowl at over 140, which is more than most Indian bowlers. And so, taking that into account, um, do India go with a four-man pace bowling attack? So your options are... You know, Bhuvneshwar Kumar is a lock-in. He is going to play. Jaspreet Bumrah is impressed now in his debut test. He's an option. So is Mohamed Shami. So is Ishan Sharma. And so is Umesh Yadav. Now, the thing is, you need to take a call on whether these four play with Hardik as the fifth or they play five bowlers outright with maybe, you know, the four seamers and the one spinner in Ashwin. Which would still mean that one space bowler would miss out. So, talking specifically about India's space bowling attack, who do you think that one is who probably will miss out? If you look at current form, it would probably be uh, either of Shami or Yadav. So, one of them will have to be dropped. I'm not sure how it fits in, but it it depends, honestly. Like, uh, based on the first test, uh, the Indian team can actually uh, make certain changes to the squad uh, based on there's how it goes. There's only three tests. There's not a lot of time to experiment. Yeah, but the thing is when you're going away and you have such squad depth as we already spoken about, like 
it becomes hard for selectors also and the captain also to you know consider each and every player for each and every game so i i guess they have to go with the way the pitches are uh, you know whether or not the on the day the pitch after the pitch report whether or not it's worth chasing or you know something like that but yeah that's probably going to be the concluding factor ishan sharma is the top bowler in the ranji trophy this season um, it's the reason exactly. he got so you can't... called to the india test squad it's likely almost that he's going to play especially in south africa with the bounce that he can exploit so let let's try to break this down right let's not depend on the pitch report let's let's try to break this down that's what we try to do on the show you know try to find us fun stuff so let's say bhuvneshwar is a lock and i think you you and i can both agree on that so i say ishan sharma gets a game and i and for good reason you know he's impressed on his week on his call back he's taken a 6-4 and generally he looks much better he looks much fitter which has been the key concern with him you know over the years so he's your second bowler over there um between umesh yadav shami and bumrah now bumrah keep in mind has played only one test he's not he's never played a test away from india that one test was at home um keep that in mind mohammad shami has fitness issues has had fitness issues um he will i'm certain have to have a possibly fitness test later but and the same applies to umesh yadav so between the three let's say you're picking who misses out has to be umesh yadav for me or mohammad shami why because despite bumrah's having that in, in relative inexperience in test matches he would still be a right fit if you're looking at it uh, with bhuvaneshwar and uh, ishant because at one end you can have bhuvaneshwar uh, you know river swinging it and on the other end you can have ishant sharma so, similarly in fact shami is better at seam bowling i feel like doesn't that matter it should but given his fitness is the major concern over here like you can't say right like it's one of those things but it would be interesting i think kohli has a lot of choices and decisions that he could make but let's move on from the indian aspect of it what do you think south africa need to do this is like the first time in the first series that you know they have actually had a full fully fit squad nearly uh, with the likes of uh, duplessy devilliers or uh, temba bauma you know elgar all these guys are like you know in their form what do you think india need to do to like, break these teams down in these extremely long and grueling sessions i think south africa have the like the pleasure of having a fully fit squad they have plenty of options you know we were just talking about fast bowling which which is what you and i think both think the series might come down to uh, along with how the batsmen negotiated but in south africa's pace bowling department now kagiso rabada is phenomenal he is easily been one of the top 3 test bowlers at least uh in in the last one or two years money mockles fit as well now dale stain is back this is what's interesting now dale stain is by the way about five or six wickets away from passing sean pollock to be south africa's highest wicket taker here's the thing dale stain hasn't played a test since last um november i believe for him to be drafted right back in such a high profile series in um you know in in the test format the longer format of the game where like you said they're going to be grueling sessions um there are question marks on whether dale stain will play rabada is going to play and i think moni mockel and one philander will join them for sure at least in 
that pace attack. Vernon Philander is the kind of guy that he, he, he's deceptively quick. And on those kind of pitches, now the thing with Vernon Philander is I don't personally think he will do very well in India. Like if he played the IPL, I think he'd just be smashed all around the park because he doesn't have anything special with his bowling where he can get the ball to do something. But when conditions are in a certain favor, when the pitch has a certain amount of bounce to it or when there is a certain amount of lateral movement of the pitch, there is perhaps, I think, along with Mitchell Stark, no one better in world cricket to exploit those conditions in test match conditions. He's purely a test match player. And, you know, this is this is his kind of hunting ground at home. I think out of that South African pace attack, it's not just Rabada that's that, that you need to be worried about. I think both Rabada and Philander. Um, I think alongside maybe maybe Australia, um, best test bowling attack in the world, for sure. Along with New Zealand, obviously. I don't want to miss out on Trent, Trent Bolt and, 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 and the others. But, uh, you know, it's a case in point, right? And it, it, it obviously just goes to show the kind of task that India have ahead of them. You know, you look at that batting lineup. There is years and years of experience in Hashim Amla and Avi De Villiers. Add Faf Duplessis to that list, coming at either three and four. Add Quinton De Kock, who is your wicketkeeper, who's had now a significant amount of experience, who's looking to prove himself at the Test level. And we clearly know, you know, he's quality. You have Dean Elgar, you have Temba Bavuma, who's who's really been making inroads in South African cricket. It's it's, it's a good time to be a South African fan. I mean, it, it, it clearly justifies and, you know, it's just testament to the fact that they're so high and, you know, on the ICC Test rankings. So one thing's for sure, it's going to be, um, a cracker of a series. Before we leave, uh, Warren, final thoughts. How do you think uh, this test series plays out? Three tests, what are your predictions and why? I think uh, South Africa are going to take it 2-1. Uh, probably the reason is going to be uh, the lack of the Indian batsmen, like the ability of the Indian batsmen to deal with the South African seamers uh, is going to be under massive scrutiny. And if they're able to deliver, great. Uh, we have to see if Rohit Sharma can emulate the form that he has uh, over the last in series. In test cricket? In test cricket, which is a different thing. Game. We still don't know he's even going to get a game. Exactly. So Because the, I'd put Rahane ahead. I think... I'd, but based I'd on sure confidence and sure form and the way he's striking the ball, Are you saying, his, his I, approach... Would you pick, well, hang on. Would you pick Rohit over Rahane in that test team? I may pick both. After pick after looking at Ajinkya Rahane, who is by the way India most India's most successful batsman abroad in the last two years, I think. I I yeah. understand that yeah. uh, Rahane has been good, but then look at it uh, at the merit of it. Rohit Sharma in that last T Twenty didn't look like he was just going going T20 out there. Maybe not, but like the way he was hitting each and every ball was in such a way that he was trying to middle it. And that was his only intention was middling it and timing it. So if he has that ability and if he has as a, at a level where he's able to bring that confidence onto a, into a test match and translate that into a leadership on the pitch and inspire other batsmen around him to rally around, that'd be great. Like So yes, I think he does have that value in him. And given that his game has improved towards being sort of patient if he really has to, I think he can do it. Alright, then probably I'm I'm going for a 1-1 draw, I think, with one test match draw. Probably, I don't know, we'll have to wait and see. 
All right. So for those of you that haven't been following the updates regarding the upcoming IPL auction, where well, mostly the teams are going to be reset pretty much. Where uh, there was a lot of clamoring among teams and a lot of bargaining regarding what the retention rules for should be for the next IPL season. And uh, finally, they they reached a consensus, and it was pretty much. Uh, a, a five-player retention rule, which was essentially broken down into you're allowed to uh, retain a maximum of three players, and uh, you know you're also al- uh, you're also allowed to uh, use three right to match cards maximum. But the point is, you can only retain five of these players. Now, how you break them up is up to you. But uh, the only constraint is that you can only use three of either you know the retention policy or you know the right to match card you know at the time so um keeping this in mind now the auction is going to happen on the 27th i think 27th on the 20th it's a two-day auction i believe uh, uh, uh which i think it happens in bangalore or something like that but there's obviously a lot of um buzz there's a lot of rumors it's almost like transfer season in football and there's obviously a lot of speculation about um, who which teams would retain and it's to me I think in certain teams it's like a no-brainer in certain teams it's not but you know I wanted to get your thoughts on in on this uh, let's start off with the with the franchises that are coming back like because I, and I think it's the hardest uh, CSK especially uh, so looking at CSK and Rajasthan it's the franchises that are coming back obviously they have uh a, a particular set of options, a particular set of players that they have the option to retain. Uh, where, what kind of direction would you be looking in if you were these franchises? Obviously, Dhoni gets retained. Let's get that out of the way. But uh, a- apart from that, what kind of direction do you see them taking with regards to retention policy? I think with both those teams, they're trying to go. They they need to try to stick to uh, what they were before. Uh, and with CSK, they have to go back to you know Dhoni. Uh, Suresh Raina, Jadeja, Dwayne Smith, or maybe Dwayne Bravo. So they have a bunch of options. If they want to build the team like more around batting, uh, they can maybe get a faff duplicy. So if you were to look at it, I'd probably say they would retain uh, Dhoni, Raina and Bravo. And or the right to match, they would probably match it for duplicy and who else? Duplicy and Ashwin. Uh, I think Dhoni, Raina, I agree with you. Here's why I think Ashwin would be the third automatically retained player. Notice how Indian players, especially the national team players, always cost the most in IPL auctions, historically, right from the start. I think you want to keep, kind of keep that core. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to come back to Mumbai and tell you why, you know, Mumbai... Uh, to, you know, are, are probably going to follow a similar pattern. But I think Dhoni, Ashwin and Raina probably makes a lot of sense. I see the temptation with Duplessis for sure. But, you know, I, I try and weigh out the cost-benefit in terms of what Duplessis offers me in the T20 format. You know, and keep in mind that I can probably use my right-to-match cards for someone like uh, Ravindra Jadeja. It's actually surprising. Neither you and I are talking about them retaining Brendan McCullum. Um I think if it go if they do decide not to retain him automatically, which it's you know it's it's kind of gonna be hard not to because of the other options you know with Ashwin and Raina, maybe 
go against Raina, but I I am pretty sure they're going to retain Ashwin. So with McCallum, the problem or the risk with thinking of you know retaining him through the right to match card is what if someone pays an absolute bomb for him during the auction? It's a tough one, but with McCallum, it's mostly going to be a case of uh, his age, and which would mean that his price would like naturally not be as high as it was few years ago. So I think there will be teams who would be looking to get him, and even if if he's on the market, like it's based on whether or not uh, like they can really use their money to optimize on getting these five players that we've already talked about. After that, if they if they can, and if there's a situation in which you know it makes sense to uh, use their right to match for McCallum, they are like they can go for it. But like moving on, like uh, Rajasthan, uh, Rajasthan have weirdly uh, mentioned that they like before like on like basically during this entire auction, this decision time that they do not want to retain any players. That is what ridiculous. Are, so what are your opinions on that? Considering that they have Steve Smith, Ajinkya Rahane, uh, you know uh, James Faulkner. That is absolutely ridiculous. I'm, I'm I'm not sure even with the Rahane thing, right? I tried to rationalize the Rahane one, but I said, oh, maybe there's a reason behind it. Maybe the you know they they're looking in some other direction, but. Rahane has done not done much wrong at all in a Rajasthan Royals jersey. He's been phenomenal. I know he's not considered the the traditional T Twenty player because he plays cricketing shots, but he's been phenomenal. And to leave him out is just, especially considering the value in the market for good Indian players. And I wouldn't see why, but that's not even the reason why I called it ludicrous. For you to not want to build your franchise around. Um, one of the best teams in the world right now. Their captain, um, the guy that is at worst the second best batsman in the world right now. I think that is crazy. I have I have no idea why. Uh, it, you know that's not happening. I mean, it's it just seems like a no brainer. You know, they've announced publicly that you know they don't want to retain anyone, but apparently you know they could still change their mind. And I I don't know. This Ashes hopefully. You know, give like maybe a bit of a reminder or something like that. But with Rajasthan, also isn't it? Don't you find it weird that given that they're going to have a smaller budget anyways, uh, they would not choose to use their retention and right to match. It seems very ludicrous that they're going to be able to oh, clearly no, they, create they, they something. Open out. up the cap. I mean, if they don't retain, I mean, they'll they'll save more room. That's why I don't think they're going to retain James Fock. That's not going to happen. Um, their options are literally limited to Steve Smith and Ajinkya Rahane. So maybe, like, if you look at it, their move may be looking at the long term of this entire situation. I don't see any other way they're trying I, to I really benefit see, I don't in know. this. I mean, neither of them are old. I think Rahane, Steve Smith makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Moving on to, let's go to the defending champions in my team, uh, the Mumbai Indians. This one is as obvious as it gets to me. To me... It is literally as simple as going out and um, retaining your three max players of Jasprit Bumrah, uh, Hardik Pandya and Rohit Sharma. They are three of India's top cricketers right now. Uh, They're familiar with the Indian conditions. They've played um, and they've excelled in in a form of minds. They know how that franchise works. Plenty of experience um, under their belt. It's... if you let those two go to the auction, I can guarantee you that Hardik Pandya will probably be easily in the top three most expensive buys in the auction if Hardik Pandya goes to the auction. And hopefully Mumbai don't let that happen. The right to match is interesting. I wouldn't bet on Krunal Pandya being 
as as good as he is. The reason I wouldn't bet on it is because I think because he, of Kyron Pollard. No, and uh, Lasit Malinga. Not that I have a feeling Kumar Pandey is going to go for really really good money. Uh, I understand that. Malinga, to, with Lasit Malinga, now you got to look at the age factor. I mean, Lasit Malinga has played for Mumbai since IPL one. Do you know when IPL one was? Two thousand eight. Now, literally ten years ago. Lasit Malinga as amazing as he is and he could still bowl four overs don't get me wrong but like you said with CSK if you're going to look long term right especially because a lot of teams are starting off from scratch um if you're going to look long term and you look at the other players you know and I'm talking about Pandya and um this Bumrah in this case you know Rohit's obviously going to be retained so to leave out either one of them you know is going to be incredibly difficult Kyren Pollard I simply don't think he's good enough. I I I just think they can do better. You know, I I really really do and this is a Mumbai Indians fan that's watched Karen Pollard from the minute that he joined Mumbai and um the the guy I really hope that Mumbai will use their right to match for is Harbhajan Singh. Harbhajan Singh even last year the year Mumbai won the IPL was probably the most I, he was i think he was the third or fourth most economical bowler in the IPL his experience in the in that kind of tournament in the shorter format of the game where you don't necessarily have to be really really fit is great his experience what he brings to that side and the fact that he's been there since year 1 he's captained by the way the mumbai indians so i think taking that sentimental factor in mind and also that the fact that i feel that in the auction because of these kind of factors harbhajan won't go for a lot of money mumbai can afford to use their right to match card honestly if i was them i'd probably just use that one and you know what if if the malinga one is you know viable obviously you know you look in that direction but that's about it for in a mumbai I think they I think have a fair set skills. of choices oh know? yeah it's it's like fun it's i very, love being uh, a mumbai indians fan what about kkr kkr is going to be interesting but uh, you can't look past the gautam gambhir and sunil narayan those two have to be like, I actually sure read an article the other day that said um got this was I think it was coming from Gambhir himself I read this somewhere else they aren't sure that they're going to retain Gautam Gambhir apparently they have taken a call to retain Sunil Narayan and it's going to happen but uh, they're still not sure about Gautam Gambhir you think that's a risk considering they are then in the market for a leader a captain Yeah, I think that may be a major risk because then you really don't know how these uh, auctions are going to pan out and who they're really going to be able to get at the top of the order because they need someone really with that experience. Maybe someone like a McCallum, like or if Steve Smith in the auction. Or if Steve exactly. So like it could go anyway for them. You can't say. That'd be a fun bidding war. I kind of want to see Steve. I want to see think, Steve. What, what do you think? What do you think Delhi should do? Because Delhi has been a very interesting project for the past few years. I, coming back to your KKR too quickly, I think. Retaining Andre Russell might be an option. Uh, I don't know, just an afterthought, but uh, Delhi is probably the most interesting one, and you know why, right? Because Dravid. of the whole, you know, not not just Dravid. I'm talking about the youth the setup. The youth setup, yeah. You know, over that's there. That's why. That's why I mentioned that. Personally, I'd retain Rishabh Pant. I would. Um, there's no need for Zaheer Khan. Rabada is an option, but again. there's no real value to it i mean if you're looking to really save on cap room and go all out in terms of building the right squad balance in the auction and you know basically scaling from scratch it's you know because it wouldn't cost a lot you know to 
retain Rishabh Pant. There would be no cost to it. I'd I'd retain him at his base, whatever. How about Sanju Sanchez? Two years ago, I thought he was going to be in the Indian team by now, probably. Um, it it's a little surprising. I think even in the IPL, even in first class cricket, I think he, you know, he simply hasn't uh, been up to perhaps you know he, he just doesn't deliver performances when it matters. There is I think there's a consistency issue with him. Rishabh Pant's been doing really well in first class cricket. He is, um, you know, he, you can tell that he has what it takes to succeed at least in the game, and you know we'll. You know, we'll see how it goes from there. But, you know, uh, here's another interesting one. Hyderabad. Would you... I'm, you've got to be crazy not to retain David Warner. So that's going to happen. Let's let's be clear about that. Do you retain Shikhar Dhawan? Do you retain Mustafa Zur Rahman? I'm guessing you retain Bhuvneshwar Kumar. I think for Hyderabad, it's... You've got to retain Bhuvneshwar Kumar. Yeah, you have, they're, they're probably going to uh, retain so uh, Warner, Dhawan, Bhuvaneshwar. Those Warner, three. Warner, Dhawan, Bhuvaneshwar. Actually, I, that's yeah, the perfect... That's I think, the perfect yeah, I, I, I think this is one we can agree on. Um, Mustafa Zur is tempting. But I think they can use their right to match for him. Like, it should be... He is, he's going to go for a lot of money in the auction, believe me. But then, me. like, if, if you he's look at He's going to go the, for crazy money in that If auction. you look at the amount of money that in comparison uh, that Dhawan or Warner or, you know, Bhuvaneshwar would go for, it's relatively lesser. So, I think it's fair a risk point. that they could take. Yeah, fair point. It's a risk that they could take. Oh, uh, you might be forgetting someone Kings else. Kings 11 uh, Punjab. Kings 11, uh, you got to go with Len Maxwell. And Hashim Amla. I, I can't see beyond those two. No, I know Hashim Amla is a T20 century and all of that, but no, I, I, I don't, I'm, no, I don't think they're going to retain Amla. As a, I'm, I'm no, as a person, fan, as a person who has the, a lot of experience at top of the order. T20 I, format? Even in T20 format, he can be extremely explosive on He was on great day. last year. Oh, he had some crazy innings. I think he was like, had a strike rate, I think for the first few games or somewhere midway through the season, he had a strike rate of like 150. It was entertaining as hell. Uh, and last who, but not least, Royal Challengers. Our least favorite team in the IPL. <laughs> oh, okay. Then uh, with RCB, it's now, again, I, I, I read an article, I think a couple of days ago, which said that Virat Kohli was, uh, they're still not sure, apparently, which is, let's, let's, let's be real. They're going to retain Virat Kohli. I mean, he's the face of the franchise, no doubt about it. Here's the thing. I'll give you two options, two permutations. Pick one. Do you go for a three-person retention of Gail De Villiers and Kohli, or do you look at a Gail De Villiers? I'm sorry, a Kohli De Villiers and a Stark, or a Kohli Stark and a Gail? I have to go with the latter. I'm probably inclined to choose uh, De Villiers, Kohli, and Stark. Yeah, I, I feel like I, agree. I feel like Gale, like yes, he's had, you know, some of his best innings with RCB, but over the past he's gonna hit a couple of hundreds. But for the rest of the games, if you know how to target target him, nine times out of ten you're gonna get him. Exactly, and that's point. what happened for for the last two seasons, right? And that's majorly been that. He's had his moments. So yeah. I feel like again they could probably replace him with someone, you know. Uh, a young Indian batsman up the order and you know with Virat Kohli and A.B. De Villiers also there uh, that team could like really really elevate its performances uh, come playoff time and it would be interesting and I think Stark is the no-brainer because you know you have to build your franchise around that premium quick bowler who's going to get you those assured wickets uh, in you know in the last few overs in the crunch overs so yeah for RCB again the choice is 
pretty obvious. It has to be. I I, I don't think they're going to do anything beyond this. Mm, it's it's interesting. I think. See, the thing is, you know, if you're going to let go of Gail or you let go of either of them, there's no way you can buy them back to the right to match. They're, they're going to be in the top three more. So, like, even now at Gail, and I agree with you, but even now, Gail, we know, will go for good money in the auction. But I agree with you. I think De Villiers, it has to be about Coley, the balance of the team. And the lead fast bowler. The, fast, the bowling departments where they've kind of suffered, you know, over the years. So, to have Stark, to be the face of that and then build around that, I think is almost detrimental to RCB having any shot of, you know, winning another. So what we're going to do is maybe before the auction, we'll come up with a more detailed prediction as we come closer to the auction. Once we know who the retained players are going to be, we'll probably take a few guesses on who um, right-to-match cards are probably going to be used on. Um, anyway, this is all we have from cricket for this episode. Next up, we'll have on our next episode all the updates from the Ashes series. As well, we hope you enjoyed this episode. We've been uh, waiting a long time to do this, actually. We're back finally, and we're going to have episodes continuing uh, at least from a, a good month or two. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, please make sure to like our page, to share and subscribe to us on both SoundCloud and as well as iTunes. Anyways, keep listening to the Hustle, guys.